Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast coming to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire, or, in this case, the First Order. Ooh, that's what we call spoilers? I don't know. What you... Anyway, uh, my, name is John Mark... my name is John Mark Tolley. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, co-host <laughs> Mr. Darth Tuba, who is still in Batu, as I understand. And uh, it sounds like uh, there's some in, uh, First Order uh, shelling going on behind you. Yes, there is a First Order uh, attack on the Batu base right now, i.e., uh, there is fireworks going on in Epcot. But uh, we are uh, we are still here. Yes, uh, we we have a, an extended uh, stay down here in Batu, uh, Walt Disney World. Our daughter uh, lives down here, so we wanted to spend some time with her. So uh, we, we will be back. Uh, our trip is wrapping up soon, so we will be back at the next. By the time we are at the next episode, we will be back in the. Darth Tuba Studios, uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, being able to share that with you guys as well. But I am Darth Tuba, or wow. aka Will Megalio. Happy to be here. Happy to talk sequel trilogy. I know, I know. We're wrapping things up. Not quite yet. We still got a couple more movies, but we are finally hitting the um, sequel trilogy. The sometimes much maligned. Very divisive sequel trilogy. Um, so yeah, so 2015 is when a for the Force Awakens came out. Ten years after the release of Revenge of the Sith, so we had almost a decade uh, without without a Star Wars movie, and this is also the first Star Wars movie not to have George Lucas attached to it. That's correct. Um, so big, big things happened between 2005 and 2015. We had the selling of Lucasfilm to Disney. Um, all well, the rights the, we had the the creation of the Clone yeah. War, which was a yes, you know, a kind Clone, of a Clone Wars, an amazing addition that you know for many years we fans were you know, some just ignored it; they didn't care. It was it was like Saturday morning mm-hmm. cartoons to them. But for many of us, it was Star Wars. It was our yeah. it was Lucas. It was the introduction of Dave Filoni. Many of us yeah. who followed that knew that name, Dave Filoni, and the name characters like Ahsoka uh, and Bo-Katan and all these characters that are now, thanks to the Mandalorian, uh, becoming you know much more household names. We mm-hmm. knew them back then, and uh, we were seeing what was going on with that. But yeah, there was that big part of that from like what was it, two thousand eight. To all the way to the to the sale of Lucasfilm to Disney, yeah, it kind of it's still we you know we're still reaping the uh, benefits and the the rewards from that, aka you know a yeah. seventh season of Clone Wars to wrap it up, and then now we have the Bad Batch, so um, it's it's been great. But you're right yeah. from as far as the Rebels, oh yeah, Star Wars Rebels, right? Yeah. And Res- Star Wars I mean, Rebels, Resistance, and we don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 I think that's. I liked Resistance, but definitely not. Yeah. It was not meant. It was definitely meant more for a younger, younger, younger. audience. Perfectly fine. You know, Star Wars Absolutely. doesn't have to be. You know, I'm I'm glad that they have like that they came up with stuff like Resistance. That they came up with the um um what was the one they did for, with the with the with the with the girl with the women the uh, well, the, uh forces the, um, of destiny forces of destiny that was. Forces of the Destiny. Like my daughter, my daughter watched those and she really liked those. I'm like, I'm glad that they're doing that. You know, Star Wars doesn't have to be for just for us. You know, just for us old fuddy daddies. Sure, but I will. I do want to say another thing though, which was that, you know, putting Clone Wars aside, Rebels aside, um, putting all that aside, uh, there was also kind of this, um, from from a collector standpoint, as I am. Uh, there was kind of this sigh that all us collectors had around 2011 or so, like that last year before Disney purchased Lucasfilm, where you know you go into a store 
and you would see things like uh, Star Wars Angry Birds. You know, you would see like little characters that look like the characters from Angry Birds dressed as Star Wars characters because they had a video game tie over. You'd see Star Wars yeah. crossover with Transformers, which on the one hand, interesting. Okay, cool. But on the other hand, there was this part of us that we would say, oh, is this what Star Wars is going to be from now on? Are we going to be reaching it? Are we just slapping Star Wars on every product ever available yeah. and not attaching it to anything other than a cartoon? Yeah. Or, you know, or whatever. And then, you know, October 2012, we get the slang, slam bam announcement that Lucas is selling the Lucasfilm and Star Wars brand to Disney. And on the same announcement, Disney announced a return, you know, uh, uh, to movies with episodes seven, eight, and nine. And in the same announcement again, they announced that Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford would all be returning. That was a very uh, joyous day, and I think in, in, in yeah. many, many, many homes of fans. Uh, you know, oh, that point... I lost you. Oh, sorry. You still there? Hello? Oh. Am I gone? Uh, we apologize here, ladies and gentlemen. We're having technical difficulties. We'll try to get uh, Will back here in a second. Hello, can you hear me? And you're back. Am I still there? Oh, when'd you lose me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were talking about the the announcement that they've gotten Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford. Yeah, and then back. and and at that moment we were uh, we were just overjoyed and with the potential for yeah. whatever it could be, it was a little bit yeah. hard to he under to, to to realize and, and to accept the fact that George Lucas would not be there, but I, for one, did not mind that. Um, I'm also a Star Trek fan, and I got to say that, you know, the Star Trek franchise has endured uh, in spite of its creator, Gene Roddenberry, not because of its creator uh, at times. Yeah. You know, the, he did some yeah. great things, but then, it, you know, when it took, you know, other writers and other creators mm -hmm. to do things to to go with things yeah. with the spinoffs and that continue to be spinoffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that, you well, know, George was probably saw a lot of that and realized he didn't want to be another Gene Roddenberry. So he wanted to pass it on. Yeah. And he always yeah. said Disney was the one that, you know, he, if he's going to trust it to anybody, he would trust it to Disney. I know there's been a lot yeah. of drama behind the scenes with that, but I think for the most part, well, you know, I think like I remember people worried like when they heard Disney, they thought, oh, they're going to cartoon it up. They're right. going to make it all something like this. And I always pointed out to this, like, look at Marvel. <laughs> exactly. I mean, look what they're doing with Marvel. There was, there the, was uh, four years of Marvel movies at that point. Yeah. And they were all doing great. I don't understand. And I think, I think the fear, the fear was, is that Disney would take too much of a hand in it, that right. they'd want to control it and it wouldn't be Lucasfilm. And I said, that's so again, I said, Look what they're doing at Disney. It's like, look what they're doing with Marvel. Disney cares about the bottom line, mm -hmm. making money. They're a company. That's why they bought Marvel. That's why they bought Disney, because they said, we can make profit off of this. We can make money off this. We can merchandise this. To yeah. quote uh, to quote the greatest Star Wars uh, um, parody of all time, yeah. parody of all time, Merchandising. Yes, where the real <laughs> company, the movie's made. I know. It's, yes. it's, and it's, I'm still, I'm still waiting for Spaceballs, the flamethrower. I know. I'm still right? waiting for that. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things as a collector, um, I can tell you, if you know, later on, not before Force Awakens came out, but somewhere in the in between that 2012 announcement and the release of Force Awakens, there was a, a, a press conference, and it was held by whomever I don't know the name. I can't remember the. The person, but it was held by the person, the uh, person in charge of Disney licensing, and they mm -hmm. essentially looked through. They said, "Well, we've 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 gone through the Lucasfilm licensing handbook for the Star Wars brand over the past ten years, and we have to say that while you know we we admire it and think they did a lot of good things, we don't think they were quite aggressive enough." And you know, every collector in the world kind of went, "What?" <laughs> you know, at that point, 
Star Wars, this is talking, we're talking Clone Wars. There was every character that you saw in Clone Wars, even if they were only on the screen for two seconds, got a figure. I mean, there were ships that yeah. flew by in one second, got a got a vehicle. I mean, there was, yeah. a there was tons of product out. So when they were starting to say it wasn't aggressive enough, we were starting to get nervous, like, oh my God, what are they going to come out with? It turns out that they spread it to a lot of different things beyond you know beyond just hasbro like every company under the sun yeah. the disney parks i mean you can see you know all that so it it, it kind of went in a lot in a different direction but um yeah. but but as far as the anticipation that uh was set for the force awakens is concerned yeah. uh it was, it was pretty the biggest yeah another another big concern i remember when they like when they say you know force awakens kind of came out was with the clone wars I think I remember some, you know, when they said the announcement, Disney, well, Disney was coming, you know, was buying it. And then they said that they were, um, that all the books that had been written before, all the novels were going to be considered non-canon now, moving them to legends. And then they're going to start a new canon. I remember some people were initially worried that that was going to happen with Clone Wars. No, you know, I, I, you know, I remember that announcement, but I thought they had said they included that Clone Wars. Okay, was they did. Okay. Yeah, and and, okay. and I gotta yeah. say, I think it was a wise move, um, frankly, yeah. because um, I do too. I do. Too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the old Legends books. Sure. And that's how I became a. That's how I became a. Grew up with the movies, but the books were how I became a super fan. Like well, reading the Timothy Zahn novels. That's what got me just sucked into that world and wanting to know more about that world. That because that led me into the um, the guy all the guidebooks for guide you know Star Wars guide to the planets guide to the Ga guide to the galaxy all those books. But um, the, the cool thing is that I I think that they've done a good job, particularly in the uh, animation area, of mm -hmm. you know taking some of those legendary characters and yeah. meaning, we're talking about the non-canon literary legendary characters. Yeah, and, le legends. You know, starting to put them, you know, insert them here and there into the yeah. story, and I think that that's yeah, and they did. Yeah, they also did a good job of, um, you know, not just brushing them off and saying that oh, those don't exist at all. No, right. They said yes, they're 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 legends. They're like the almost the what ifs or the you know these are the stories that were told maybe told around the campfires about you know different things like like that. So. You know, they didn't actually happen, but or did they? It was it's you could, they kind of left it very vague, and like you said, left the opportunity to pick and choose and bring in different characters and different you know potential stories uh, in the future for what what fits. Yep, that but that's true. So, but yeah. they anyway. So they set us up for. Uh, Kind of a a, a a fresh palette, a clear and clean palette to see what they can do with um, the Star Wars saga, the Skywalker saga, and move on to that mm -hmm. episode, the, the infamous episode seven, eight, and nine that we always heard about, but we're never given an opportunity to to do. Yeah, and and, and like everything else that happens, and it happened with the prequels, uh, when you have a long stretch of time. You know, for you, for people to grow up and to kind of anticipate in their minds or, you know, tell this, tell a story that, you know, come up with stories and adventures in their own heads. And then you go to see an, an, an eventual movie that comes out telling a story. And, and it ha if it happens to be not your story or not a story that you thought of or thought much of, then, you know, there's a lot of disappointment that can go with that. And I think that that's just the danger that we deal with um, when it comes to this. And it happened with the prequels, and now it happened with the sequel trilogy. So, yeah, just for for some, uh, I can tell you, yeah, for me, I was I went to see Force Awakens in the theater probably six or seven times, and uh, loved it more and more each time. Well, that brings us right into our discussion. Our main discussion for the day is, of course, we're going to be looking at 
The Force Awakens and asking, was it actually good? So The Force Awakens was starred Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Adam Driver, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, Oscar Isaacs, Mark Hamill, Gwendolyn Christine, Domhnall Gleeson, and others. Of course, directed, of course, famously by J.J. Abrams. Um, King of the Lens Flare. Yeah. <laughs> I and there was a lot of that. <laughs> oh, I don't know if as many as, as much as as there was in uh, in the in Star Trek. Oh no, not not uh, nearly. No, yeah. no, I almost went blind watching that movie. Yeah, that was. They, they should come um, with a warning label. <laughs> don't um, go into the screen. <laughs> well, let's just start right off with it with the acting in this movie. Uh, I think there's a lot of really standout moments. Um, you definitely had the the typical Star Wars overacting um the, the the villain who was just over the top for me that was gleason's journal hawks absolutely uh, he just i think he was the best in this movie and i wish they would have kept in that general direction we'll get to that in the next movie but his speech on star killer base you know where he got the nickname space hitler yeah. that whole speech was just <laughs> oh and you wow. can just tell he was eating up the he was just chewing up the scenery as best as he could. Absolutely. And uh but I really felt that you know there was a fresh a newness to the young character. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a there was a banter right at like literally to the moment they they were on screen together with uh John Boyega and Oscar Isaac. Um, yes. There was a likability um, for Ray, for Daisy Ridley, that I feel was uh, just, you know, they were likable characters. All three of them were mm -hmm. just likable characters. Yeah. And they carried that film for the first half hour. And yeah. that's, that's not easy to do when you've got, you know, a bunch of Star Wars fans, you know, just chomping at the bit to see, you know, show me Luke, show me Han, show me Leia. And, and mm -hmm. really, I mean, when you really get down to it, all we got, for the most part, was Han Solo. But yeah, wow, what a great return to a character by yes. Harrison Ford, and 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 it, that and was it, it was so it was just I remember them saying I remember Lawrence Kasdan said something like they wanted to make a movie that was delightful, that just delighted people, and I gotta say I was delighted from the moment mm -hmm. that first chord of John Williams' amazing score hit to the moment that the film ended. It was just a delightful yeah. moment. And 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 to see or come back on that screen with Chewie and give that Chewie were home, which we even got as a preview, but it didn't make it any less powerful when it ha happened on in the yeah. story. But also, I just, mean, for me, you know, go ahead. Yeah. For me, I mean, the minute I, like I said, the minute you hear that, um, <laughs> And I've said this before. I said this before in the past. The one thing I wish they would have they would have kept, and I understand why because it's different, is that 20th Century Fox, uh, that because uh, to me, growing up watching the old video, that was that was part of the Star Wars thing is hearing the and then the the pause right into the the John Williams score. But still, hearing that and then seeing the opening, I I teared up. I got emotional for me personally, um, just because you know, like again, it had been ten years since yeah. we'd seen it in theaters. Since but we'd it'd seen ten years opening been, crawl, but it, but it had been how many years since we'd seen Han Solo, Princess Leia? Yes, you know, yeah. Chewie. I mean, Chewie was made a bit part in uh, Revenge of the Sith, so, which is ironic that. Of the, all the legendary older characters, he was the, well, I guess 3PO too, the, and R2. But it's just funny to consider that that uh, Chewie, you know, was, yeah. he, he was the, he was there all along and he kept being there. So, yeah. yeah. And um, it was, it was the, the acting in it. Yeah. With the exception of Donald Gleason, who might, you know, really felt we needed that kind of thing. I mean, even, even Kylo Ren, uh, even Adam Driver. He had a much mm -hmm. more, much more subtle way about him. Except, you know, he would have yeah. these bursts of uh, 
tantrums, you know, which I those, thought was, I, 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 I love the, the way they, the way they did humor in this one. We'll get to the other movies in my opinion on how they did humor, but that like the scene where you said, where he just, uh, goes berserk and just starts destroying things with his lightsaber. You see the stormtroopers walking by the corridor and they see that, then they just turn and walk the other way. Nope. Um, But yeah, I mean, Oscar Isaac, um, Poe Dameron, perfect as the hotshot pilot. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely, what I liked, what I really liked about those three young three actors is that they, you know, they had, there was a certain familiarity to the, their relationship with each other mm-hmm. and their journeys that were familiar to when to Luke, Leia, and Han, but they weren't identical to Luke, Leia, and Han. They had yeah. their own, they came from different places. There were differences in their stories. And I was, and I'm yeah. sorry, but I'm, I'm happy that they, you know, we don't find this out until later movies, but I'm happy that they took a character like you had a little bit of the bloodline with 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 Ben Solo, great love that they called him Ben. Yeah. Um, but also you had they weren't afraid to pull, bring in a new character, really two new characters, like Daisy Ridley and character and and Oscar Isaac, that you know had some yeah. had some similar beats, but they were their own characters. And then you had them all. Then you had yeah. them oh, yeah. with. Particularly with with Harrison Ford in this film, in this film, and uh, you know Han and Chewie, which I just thought yeah was great, and it was well, a- I thought it was one thing I thought was an interesting interesting thing that they did in this in this movie is the three the three the three main characters of Daisy Ridley, Ray, Finn, and Poe. Mm-hmm. They aren't all three together until the end of the second movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Finn and Ray will be together, or Finn and Poe will be together. Right. But the three of them are never together. Like you see them as this one, as this trio, you know, the the basically the star the new Star Wars Trinity. But unlike in Star Wars, their your main trinity isn't together. Uh, throughout the entire entire throughout the first movie, right? You know yeah. they're always in separate areas. Yeah, I, which I thought was a really interesting move to make for JJ yeah. Abrams. Um, all right, so acting. Let's let's give it a score. Uh, out of a thirty, I am going to give it a just because of one character and it's not that she didn't do a good job i just thought it was wasted potential uh i'm gonna give it a 27 wow okay uh, because i think they i still think it was a good move i still think it was uh, like you know um i I take it back 28 uh 28 um i thought they wasted potential of captain phasma i Um, thought she should have been a much better um you know, I think she had a lot more potential to be a a bigger character and a bigger a bigger deal for me personally. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 28. Well, I will agree with you there to a to a to a point. Um, I'm going to give it a 29. Uh, I don't okay. I pick off as quite as much as you did, but um, I do agree that I loved that character. In fact. Captain Phasma was one of our favorite characters. Um, shout out to Disney for many, many years. I don't know if have you been down to the parks at all in the last like ten years since the, since there have been Force Awakens since the Force uh, Awakens. No, I have. I would. I was at, last time I was in Disney World. I was. I uh, maybe ten. Oh my! Okay, well, it's so been yeah. I have not been been there for years. Okay, well, it was it was Donald Duck's like fortieth birthday. I think. Okay, forty or fiftieth birthday. So yeah. So I'll tell you what, put it on the put it on the um, on the uh, docket for a future episode. We want to talk about the the yeah. relationship between Disney and Star Wars. I can do a whole thing on that. Mm-hmm. Kind of educate you. Okay. One of the things I'll tell All you right. about today is. Um, 
that for many years, from like 2015, probably until about 2018, 2019 maybe, mm-hmm. they had this thing in Hollywood Studios. is before Galaxy's Edge was built called the March of the First yeah. Order. And, and essentially what that was was uh, a, a Captain Phasma character and about 10 stormtroopers marched down Hollywood Boulevard all the way up to the kind of in front of the Chinese theater and then back out again. And it was the simplest thing. And there was a little march that was like they filled this march that it was based a little bit on John Williams music and then kind of piecemealed together by another writer. And it was right. just, this, I mean, you look it up, just do March of the First Order, Disney Hollywood Studios, and on YouTube. And it was the simplest thing. It was just this battalion of First Order troopers and Captain Phasma ahead of them. And then she kind of addressed the crowd, and the stormtroopers would turn around and, like, walk up, like, nose to nose with guests. Like, they were, like, with their guns, you know, kind of drawn, like, looking for spies or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was the most intense and scary, you know, and it only lasted like you know a few minutes. But you'd hear this music pulsing through the through the place, like, and the whole thing went from beginning all the way up to the to the end, end of the park. It took like ten minutes, and they did it like yeah. six times a day. It was phenomenal. Wow! And it was, and my, and my, I remember my wife would love it. You know, she would be freaking out by it, but she would just love it because it was just such a great thing. So yeah, we loved the character of Captain Phasma. And yeah, I agree that I call it the Boba Fett syndrome. I think they put. I know, I, and that's one thing I've, I've noticed is they have this like characters. Um, I also look I also, at someone like Darth Maul. Yeah, you know they they factor, you know, Same and this look. Yeah, cool. and then and they then, get killed off in like the first, you know, first movie, or a limited screen time. You know, I mean, you only see him for a few minutes. But yeah, so I I can I can go I can get behind a slightly lower score, but I'm going to go 29 because other than that, I really felt everything was, you know, locked in solid. Um, shout out to Yona Suetomo, okay. who was uh, Chewbacca. I know Peter Mayhew did a few poet parts, but we know he was he was limited to more of a consulting role. In the movie, uh, I do think he had a few sit down in the mm-hmm. cockpit scenes. Uh, they can see some behind the scenes with that, but uh, really, it was Jonas taking it over, taking over the yeah. character. And I thought he, you know, well, for some. Let's who- look at yeah. Uh, one person that we didn't uh, mention was, of course, Andy Circus as uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. Um, he did. His usual. I mean, what was your kind of thoughts on that character of Snoke? Well, I I thought Snoke, I I thought that Snoke was a little a little bit over the top, kind of had vibes of the Emperor, and I guess, or I guess we realized why that was. was. Whether they knew that at the time or not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But being yeah. kind of like a, a, an Emperor clone, or at least an Emperor knockoff, so it made sense that he was kind of like the Emperor. So. Um, I, I like that they kept him very mysterious in the first film, just a hologram. Yeah. And I thought Andy did a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did too. I did too. I mean, you know, it's Andy Circus. you know, it's, you know, he kind of, you know, this is, this kind of thing is kind of his bread and butter, this voice work, yeah. this computer generated, you know, right. Um, yeah, you know, of course, with Gollum and yeah, and, uh, and Caesar with the like that, he was kind of. But I also got to give. A, a... I I do. Yeah, I do want to also give a shout out to Nepito Nepito Nongo for uh, you are her... really choppy today, sir. Yeah, I know the, the Wi-Fi in. Uh, Beach Club Villas, where I'm staying, is not good at all. So we'll be better next week. I apologize again. So, am I still out? Because you were choppy on this end as well. Oh man, yeah, what I'm gonna do?
Ooh. I just lost. And hopefully things will get uh, sorted out. Again, we apologize for this. Um, we'll try to get everything. Trying with my phone now. See if that's any better. Uh, I got, yeah, it's fine. I got kicked out. Luckily, it didn't stop the recording, so I don't have to worry about. They'll just be <laughs> about starting over the recording. Um, yeah. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we apologize for the technical difficulties. I've been having trouble here with my internet, too. Uh, so, well, let's just roll with the punches then, shall we? Uh, we were, I think we were just about to get to the directing. Yes. J.J. Uh, yeah. Abrams, of course, directing. Um. And of course, this one, you know, obviously there was no heavy influence by George in this, uh, George Lucas in this one. Um, uh, yeah, I know. Um, sorry, just trying to, I switched to my phone and charge up the phone. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, we had to deal with, we had to deal with a new director. I mean, we've been down this road before because we had. Uh, yeah. You know, Gerby Kirchner, Richard Marquand, so, you know, but it had been Lucas's ball game for a very long period of time. So, um, you know, the thing that I wanted to, um, you know, to talk about, though, was, you know, with J.J. Abrams, we had something a little bit different in that. He was, he was no stranger to, um, he was no stranger to franchise, you know, like he had done Mission Possible. He had done Star Trek. No. So, um, so, you know, it was, and then, and there were people that were, you know, talking about the, like the Mission Impossible series. There were people that liked the, uh, Star Trek series, but of course there were people that didn't. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember that, that was a big, whenever, you know, obviously whenever, uh, the Star Trek movies came out, um, there was a lot of people who thought that they, he had ruined the franchise and he had ruined Star Trek. And I even remember before Force Awakens came out, um, that the joke the joke was calling him Jar 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 uh, uh, Jar Jar Abrams. Like, <laughs> oh, he's going to he's going to ruin Star Trek or ruin Star Wars like he ruined Star Trek. Um, which I mean, first of all, I always pointed out, you know, he has admitted that he was a Star Wars fan before he's a Star Trek fan, right. so. I felt a little bit more comfortable with him. And, and I mean, I like the Star Trek movies, you know, right. per, oh, yeah. personally. But, yeah, they were fun. They, you know, yeah, were, were, were they, you know, like you said, were they the, you know, something that, um, yeah, my mind went blank. Um, anyway, yeah, we're I, not talking about Star Trek. Right, which is not a start. Yeah, but no, he he was he was um, you know, he came into the Star Wars world with a good mm -hmm. pet. You know, he had some good ideas. He had done some. He had some successful, um, you know, work behind his under his belt. And I thought, you know what, you know, when you're re reinvigorating a new, uh, a, a, you know, a classic franchise, yeah. You could do a lot worse yeah. than Abrams. Huh? So no, I was no, and I think and we were in a time now where you know directors are a lot more front and center. You know, you have a lot more. You know, back during that time, you had you had your big, you know, big two or three directors that everybody knew. But for the most part, you know, unless you were really plugged into the movie scene or really plugged into that you probably really didn't know who the director was. It was like, like I said, like a Steven Spielberg or a, you know, someone like that. Right. Um, I mean, when you think about it, you know, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, JJ Abrams. Um, I mean, you can, the, the, you ask the average person on the street to name five directors. They're going to say yeah. George, Steven Spielberg. They might say Abrams, but who else? I mean, they might say, you know, 
if you got a Lord of the Rings fan, you might say Peter Jackson. If you have a Peter Jackson, you know, uh, Back to the Future fan, you might say Rob Zemeckis. You know, yeah. but other people go to a lot of different places, and a lot of names aren't really well known. Right? For Spielberg, um, there were the the director name was a lot less well known. So yeah. All right. So talk about what AJ AJ AJ. I think that he brought. Um, first of all, he brought in his company, Bad Robot, to help mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I was pretty happy with what he did. He did this balance of making it kind of fresh and new, but bringing in Keeping, some of the... Yeah. I think you know, he took a... With as far as like a lot of, you know, the, the beats and how he... I think he definitely took a if it's not broke, don't fix it mentality. Right. Like you, you know, it's like we have this, let's just keep this going. Um, so yeah, I have no problems with, with JJ yeah. as being the director. I think he did a, a good, I think he did an admirable job. And I would um, the only thing I would put on as a criticism would be mm-hmm. that you probably take quite as many risks mm-hmm. as um maybe the the director you know that maybe ryan johnson did and we'll talk about him next. but he didn't take as many yeah. he, kept, he played it safe in some ways um but mm-hmm. maybe he played it safe and in, in, in some of the ways i felt he played it safe in the ways that it's good to play it safe you know and yeah. it takes there were certain risks in the story like let's not forget sports the death of Han Solo, which yes. I, don't, I don't know about you, but I saw that coming. The whole well, reason- I mean, and it, if you knew, if I mean, like you, oh, I think you were just about to say it. If you knew anything about you know behind the scenes stuff, then you knew the only reason Harrison Ford came back is because they promised him a on screen death. Exactly. He wanted to, he wanted to kill off Han Solo and return the Jedi. I, from what it, I understand. The only thing that to me was a question mark was that were they going to do it in Force Awakens or was it, were they going to drag it out a little more and do it in mm. so uh, yeah. kind of like that second act dark you know beat but um, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah so it was but as far as the directing was concerned and you know the way he worked with the cast and the way you know he helped I mean, I think in, in many ways, you know, I'm probably going to get slammed, but he did, in, you know, when it comes to working with actors, I think he did a better job than George did because George didn't like to work with actors. And he's very much. Yeah. And I think actors admit that, you know, they like to have a little <laughs> direction given that's more yeah. than faster and more intense and <laughs> from their director. And I think that JJ yeah. did that very successfully. I think he had to walk that line of being a, you know, comic director directing the most, you know, looked at and anticipated franchise in a long, you know, in, in ever really. But at the same time, he had to mm. jump around the stage in the, the, the uh, sound, the, the, the area jumping around as a fan, you know, just loving what he's doing and taking selfies, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So, the uh, one, the one thing I like that he definitely did, and um, this carried off, I think, with the other other movies that was kind of a departure from what we'd had just ten years before with the prequels, is relying much more on physical effects, which I think made it feel made the made the made the world of Force Awakens to me seem a lot more real than the world of the prequel trilogy, which was very heavily on green screen and computer animation uh, and stuff like that. So I loved that that you went back to the physical. To to me, physical effects are always better than computer animated. I mean, they're both, they they both have their place, but I always like that real world feel of look of a physical effect, which I was glad that you kind of did that. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge that. Just a little okay. bit, just a bit. Okay. Um, I agree with you that uh, that that I, I do like that there was a return to practical effects, but mm-hmm. I also feel that 
the uh, the prequel trilogy gets kind of a bum rap when it comes to that, and yeah, and, and consequently the sequel trilogy gets a little bit more credit than it deserves for practical effects in the sense that you know the 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 all right what i'm saying is that i read a book there's a book out called sculpting the galaxy and it's basically all about the models of um star wars Mm -hmm. and the model making that went on and when you talk to someone like lauren peterson you know who's one of the model makers he'll tell you there are more models made for the prequels i mean by a huge margin than for the original trilogy when you're talking about it's just that where the model mm-hmm. was a little, was done differently and you know models were created in miniature and then scanned and utilized as backdrops or ships were made as models and then scanned mm-hmm. and utilized to you know with the um and then consequently yeah. all the stuff that they learned the tools that they learned with green screen technology and blue screen technology they were able to incorporate in a much more finely detailed way and you have no other way you don't have to look any further than bb8 for the sequel trilogy gate had you know rather than having you know whole sets that you know stopped after six because six and a half feet because liam neeson was too tall uh green now they were able to uh do more with you know more subtlety with by just green screening the puppeteer you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and the, and the rod and that kind of thing and i just feel like um you know those things there's just a little bit even i think lucasfilm kind of on that in their in their advertising like return to the good old days of practical effects it's like come on get out of here there's like a ton of digital effects in the sequel trilogy uh, yeah and and finally and, and then you what they were doing and you know moving on after that with rogue one they literally you know brought a cap literally grand park yeah 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 I, I i see i see what you mean i think there was it was more of the i think people looked at it more about whether rightly or wrongly that with the prequel after the prequel trilogy there was this period of time where it was just digital effects, you know, oh. it was nothing, you know, and people were like, you know, looked at, looked at it like, you know, instead of using, using the digital effects, like a tool, like, like, like you said, adding bits in here combined with um, that people were just kind of like, hey, you're, maybe you're, it went too far. I you do. know, you, you take something. I do think that that did happen um, when it came to creatures. You know, in the prequel yeah. the prequel trilogy versus what Dan Scan and his team was able to do with yeah. creature effects uh, of of the of the new of the sequel trilogy. My only issue with that, with um, the creatures, with you know, I know it's a big galaxy, but you know, it, there were so many great creatures created for the original trilogy. Hardly any of them reappeared in mm-hmm. the new trilogy. It would have been nice to see that, but um, but yeah. again. It's you know, thankfully we get that and things like the Mandalorian and 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 the Clone Wars, Baloney, mm-hmm. and John Favreau taking care of that and the things. That's fine. But uh, yeah. well, what do you give the directing? Out of thirty, I give it a right. It is out of thirty. I just always yeah. Give it, uh, I will give it a twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, really solid. Um, I agree. Not, a twenty. Twenty. Yeah. A lot of pressure on him, and I thought he pulled off a really good job. Yeah. So now we come to the dialogue. Um, obviously, I think this one, the dialogue, because you, you know, obviously you don't have, you know, someone like like George, which we, we love, no, always, you know, well-known, not being good with write, with writing dialogue. Um, I do notice a, a, a big difference in the dialogue that George is not there. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, the dialogue seemed a lot more natural flowing. Um, like you said, the banter, uh, you know, between the characters was really good, especially the banter between Finn and Poe. I like their back and forth. Um, like as a standout scenes, um, 
uh, Poe's interrogation, uh, first interrogation, uh, when he, when uh, you first see Kylo Ren and he makes the joke of, am I supposed to talk? You're supposed to talk. How does this work here? I don't know how this. <laughs> it, it was, it came this close to breaking the fourth wall, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think you needed to do that. And I, I got to say, um, the dialogue kind of weird because, you know, one of them is just growling, but that it was so great to see that and hear the dialogue between Han and Chewie again and to just kind of have that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where they're going back and forth. Oh, really? You're cold? You know, <laughs> like, like, like stuff like that. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just fun. So, yeah, I um, don't wish whoever. Again, uh, Huck's having, uh, you know, you're chewing up the scenery a little bit, having a little more of that tradition. That was, you know, I'm the villain. I, would, I loved. Right. I love that. I love. Yeah, that was that was awesome. You need it. It's Star Wars. You can't you can't. Not. Yes. Yeah, you can't not have that. You can't not have the ham. You know, you gotta have full ham and cheese. Right. And Snoke a little bit. You know, again, reminiscent of the Emperor. Not not quite sure. If yeah. They, at that. But time. I mean, that's part of you know. You need that distinctive. That's always been one of the key things about Star Wars is there's always you know especially especially with the movies. There's always been that distinctive good and bad, good and evil. Yes. Um, and it's always been very distinctive of who the good guys were, who the bad guys were. Now, once you get into, you know, with the fan with the fandom and you know, you can play around a little bit with the uh um the grace you know, the gray areas and like you know, ask ask different questions, but for the most part, it was always simple to know, like, okay, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. You know. Absolutely. And I thought that they did a good, you know, they did a pretty good job of, of establishing that right away of resistance were the good guys, first order were the bad guys. <laughs> Excuse me. Choking on my water. Um, yeah. That's oh, okay. And I think that, um, you know, and, and, and Bringing back things like uh, you know uh, Anthony Daniels with the with the you know it, what he his part in the movie was definitely more relegated to cameo, but yeah, still you know added a little bit a little bit of story to it, added a little bit of dialogue to it. So I really loved it. I would give um, yeah, giving it <coughs> third. Is it thirty? That's twenty out of twenty. Twenty. Uh, I'll go twenty. Give it a full score. Yeah, I agree. Now we come to the story of The Force Awakens. Um, This is the one where I think people (coughs) might have some issues. Uh, I think the biggest criticism that I would give for it is... It and let's be honest, it's a new hope. In many ways, it's it's very similar to a new hope as far as the overall story beat. Um, I mean, even the point of them having to destroy a giant planet planet killer. Um well okay. Um I'm gonna say that my feeling on it was that the derivative nature fell to me in three places. Mm-hmm. Um, being on Jakku, yeah. which was stand-in for uh, going into the Maz Kanata's castle, which is mm-hmm. going to Cantina, and Starkiller Base, which is the... Like, yeah. The yeah. Now, having said that, though, I felt that there was a lot going on in in mm-hmm. the story, in the beats, in the characters. In the fact that you had, to, as I mentioned earlier, you had to introduce these three new characters, make them likable, make you root for them. Yeah. And then on, and then in, reintroduce <coughs> our some of our original characters, utilize yeah. one of them in as the MacGuffin of the story, which had nothing to do. With which was no no similarity whatsoever to New Hope, the search for Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker. Yeah, and then 
On top of that, you have a, defect, a defecting stormtrooper. Yeah. <coughs> so you deal with it. Put all the stories in there. Yeah. You deal with this interaction between these 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 legendary characters like Han and Chewie, and and how they relate. You you make the villain related to Han, and therefore creating this similar vibe of you know fathers and sons. But in mm-hmm. a way, kind of turned on its ear, and you do all this. I, I mean, you know, you you have, um, you know, you replace the the rebellion with the resistance, but yet it's still yeah. There are moments like that. I think that there were. I don't think the whole film was derivative. I, the story was derivative. I think that there were what I would call poetic rhymes. That you have. Yeah, which I mean, you know, Lucas has talked about in the uh, in the past about right, um, and, and he did it the, himself between Star Wars and Jedi. So yeah. I'm not being an apologist here. I don't believe. Maybe I am, but I just, to me, that's just how I have it. Yeah. Plus, you know, yes, you had the Tatooine feel with Jakku, but it was also a ship graveyard, which was not really what you saw on Tatooine, or at least not something that you explore very much. So yeah. they're different. So you almost create yeah. a new environment in a, you know, con- uh, concrete field jungle that is the inside of a Star Destroyer that Ray mm-hmm. very familiar with. So I, I always felt yeah. very much that the story was a bit of a huge world build. It, it just, it gave us, you know, dozens of new characters, new creatures, new, you know, beasts of burden. And yeah, we had some ships that were the newer designs of old ships. So, mm-hmm. yeah, type of fighter. But there were new things brought into it. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think the one, the one thing I wish they would have done more, and I understand, you know, you have limited time. Um, but even, you know, a few sentences to kind of describe what the situation in the new in the new republic was um you know they just kind of they kind of give it lips you know, a few mentions and then you yeah. see the destruction of, of the hot of the hansen system but you know yeah. even even just like a few a few lines of dialogue of uh, of explaining you know like oh the senate you know the senate's not going to give us the new republic senate's not going to give us funds Right. Or whatever to kind of get like, oh, okay, there's this thing over here, because um, you know they didn't really explain like, okay, are these resistance people part of the New Republic? Are they against the New? You know, is the New Republic against them? You know, what is that whole relation? Which I know if you read the books, um, yeah, you I get mean, you know more I, of that information. They, but most people aren't going to read the a lot of a lot of the the people aren't going to read the books. They're just going to see the movie. So. And they even, or the cat, they even yeah. had some deleted scenes that shot. Mm-hmm. They shot. They yeah. had given the girl that you see, you know, getting vaporized on Hosni and Prime. He had another scene with Leia early on. So, I why they decided to cut those out. I guess I guess that I'm thinking that they felt that it was the kind of thing where it was slowing down the story more than helping the story. I don't know how true that would be just to have, then have a couple of sentences, a couple, of, like one small scene. I don't know, but uh, you're right. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that it would have been nice to explain a little bit more that was going on. I also would have liked to know a little more about why there are derelict, you know, wrecks of uh, star destroyers on Jakku. I mm-hmm. know battle and there again, there was a book. <clears throat> Maybe they wanted it to be a supplemental story, but for me, sentence or two explaining yeah. why there would have been nice. So, so I'll, I'll give yeah. you that. Absolutely. Well, what would you give the story for The Force uh, Awakens? Out of 20. Out of a 20. I give it an 18. Okay, I'm going to give it a 17, a little bit lower than you. Okay. Uh, not by much, but no. um, you know, I think I think this one definitely had I wouldn't say it was the weaker story of the of the of the bunch, but it definitely had its had its issues compared to let's say the other the last two that we saw as far as the story. 
Yeah, um, there was a lot. It was a tall order having to tell, you know, you got to remember it was 40 years between yeah. when they come to this, when it came to this character. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people complain like, well, we would have loved to have seen the story of how, you know, Ben Solo became Kylo Ren. I'm like, okay, I get that. I understand that you'd like to see that story, but for one thing, in order to tell that story, you would have had to make this decision to make these movies basically 10 years ago, like when we made the prequels. That would be around the time that the age of the actors for, you know, Mark, Carrie, and Harrison would have been appropriate for that. So, you yeah. know, it just, it, you know, that ship sailed. It's not happening. So, again, let's not talk about the Star Wars we couldn't have or didn't have. Let's talk about what we did have. And yeah, it had a lot to kind of catch up catch us up on definitely um, good job with it i just think that they probably could have you know i don't think anybody would have objected to a slightly longer movie that's the part i laugh at in that not just with star wars but with any franchise or any movie that you know if, if peter jackson could put out our movie or or, or james cameron in, in titanic put out a three-hour movie you know why are people you know and it seems like everybody's kind of stuck on a two hour and 20 minute movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that there's a win. That's a pretty big window of, you know, that's like 40 minutes of movie between, you know, that epic three hour, maybe too long. And the typical star Wars two hour and 20 minutes. There's a 40 minute window in it. What make it make the movie two hours and 40 minutes, mm-hmm. two hours, and five minutes, you know, there's plenty of time there for you to, Tie up all the loose ends. So. Yeah. All right. What do we got? Well, our final tally is Will, you scored it a 95. I scored it a 93 for a total score of 188 for Star Wars The Force Awakens, which puts it right pretty smack, smack dab up in the middle of, of our. Um, of most of the scores that we've had so far. Okay. It's pretty much right right there, right smack dab in the middle. So and not I, the best score, but not the worst score to be to be certain. I do want to always do caveat that I'll I do. start. Um, yep. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Just to, What's that? My little caveat about music, because that's what I do. Um yeah. you know, obviously John Williams was back for this. Uh, very exciting to have that. Um created some wonderful mm-hmm. Uh, specifically Ray's theme, which has gone on to become kind of like the defining theme of mm-hmm. the trilogy, along with the March of the Resistance, which was a great theme. Uh, Kylo Ren's theme. So, you know, he did, he, you know, continued to do that and mm-hmm. keep building on the themes of a now, at, up to this point, a seven movie saga. So, you know, kudos. Love, love the score. Uh, you know, listen to it quite frequently, actually. Um, even even sometimes more so than the prequel trilogy. I, I, I find myself gravitating to it. So, kudos to John Williams, the maestro. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. Well, uh, we're going to wrap things up here for this, for tonight. Uh, next week, of course, we're going to be hitting probably one of the most controversial Star Wars movies of all time. Uh, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be uh, fun. We're going to be talking about, of course, The Last Jedi. Very good. Yes, that should be very interesting. Uh, so get your uh, get your boots on, folks. It's yep. going to be a fun one. Uh, well, Will, why don't you tell the fine folks out there in the internet world where they can find you at? Okay, well, again, I'm the... I'm the collector of the group here. So we have my uh, Darth Tuba Star Wars unboxing show. Just type in Darth Tuba and Star Wars, you probably find it. And check me out Instagram and Twitter at Darth Tuba and the Darth Tuba Star Wars unboxing page on Facebook. Always email me at DarthTuba77 at gmail.com. All right. And of course, you can contact us right here through our email. It is War of the Stars one at gmail.com. That is also our Twitter handle. Uh, go check out that out. We have a lot of fun there. Did a lot of polls, a lot of fun stuff. We also have our Facebook group, Facebook group, 
uh, just search War of the Stars. You can check out the Facebook group, also the Facebook page for War of the Stars. We don't do as much stuff there. Uh, that is about it as far as social media for right now. We are working. We have a um, Instagram page, but uh, I haven't done a lot with that lately. I'll have to get that back up and running. But as soon as I do, I will give, uh, get out the links and all other social media to our Instagram page. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, if you want to support the show, a couple ways you can do that. First of all is to our Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash War of the Stars. There's also a support button on our Anchor page. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash War of the Stars. There's a little button there that says donate. Click that. You can donate monthly, one-time donation, just basically just like on Patreon. Uh, or you can buy merch. We have a merch store. Uh, link is going to be on all our social media. You can go there. You can get T-shirts, hats, mugs, backpacks, hoodies, you name it, pretty much. Uh, we have it right there. Um, so, yeah, that is about it for us this week. So until next week, remember, this isn't just my Star Wars. This isn't just your Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. May the Force be with you. All right. Till the spires, folks. <laughs>